Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Wednesdays, we break down the Division I men's action and Oh my goodness, has the 2024 season started out in, dare I say, a drunk fashion. We have so many different results to break down on today's show. Of course, we do have a couple of top seeds looking the part, but we've got early February upsets to break down on today's show. I know I've offered this joke already on a couple of our podcasts, but sincerely, you could host an event of teams who didn't qualify for the national indoors, and it might be just as compelling as the event we will have in New York next weekend. We have countless teams who will not be in New York who have earned victories over teams that will be in the field. And that speaks to the depth we have in this 2024 season. It speaks to, again, the drunk nature of the results we've seen thus far. And it's why I am amped for today's show, where, of course, we will run you through all of the biggest storylines, what happened in Columbus, in Texas, in Champaign, in San Diego. We got a lot to break down. Results with seeding implications, of course, for the indoors. What do our top 10 rankings even look like? What's the top 16 conversation right now? What can you look forward to in the week ahead? We're going to cover all of that here on today's show. And joining me to help break it down, as he does each and every week, is a man who all of you listeners best know, of course, as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, the lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, a man learning how to be on the ones and twos from a production side of our Cracked Rackets broadcast here in 2024, and of course, most notably, a man I referred to as the professor. It's Chris Halioris joining me to help break everything down. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Oh my goodness. Now, I didn't send the 55 texts I sent to Jay throughout the course of the weekend because I wanted to be fresh on today's show and sharing our thoughts with one another on everything that unfolded. But what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> oh my God. What a weekend. How are you feeling, my friend? I mean, I'm feeling great. I always like to open the show just giving the listeners a glimpse into, you know, what goes on behind the scenes between us. (laughs) And you may not have sent the 55 texts, but I will say that you clearly woke me up at 11.55 the other (laughs) night with with an unnamed coach in a three-way text (laughs) that had 68 messages by the time my wife said, your phone is going freaking crazy. What the (laughs) hell? And I'm like, It has to be tennis. I'm not looking. And then I was like, (laughs) all right, I'll look. And yes, of course it was you guys, but uh, you know that. And, and, and the other thing that your intro made me think back on and laugh was the reason that you don't name all of the teams that didn't make indoors that could make a great tournament is because you would look like Jay calling out everyone except for Harry Jaden in Michigan state, at which point he gets to say, Wow, that looks like a great tournament. Where do I get to watch? Okay, well, two th- two things off of that. 
First of all, did you like my graphic with unnamed coach where I sent the rankings and I sent two schools as my one and two and then just a bunch of middle fingers as (laughs) my rankings everywhere else? It was like a pyramid of middle fingers. But you have to love that unnamed coach also, of course, because no one could take a joke was like, oh, you have unnamed school at two. And I was like, it was the placeholder for the joke. Like, come on. Um, anyways, yeah, that was part one. Part two of that response is, can we agree, though? First of all, Twitter has a character limit. So you couldn't name all the schools because you could legitimately I have a text exchange where I did. And I guess oh, we yeah. can do that now where it's like. I'm going to forget some, but like top of the head, Kentucky, Illinois, North, if you want big names, North Carolina, Mississippi State, um, who am I blanking on? Who else has lost a regional match? Florida, Florida State, Mississippi State, Baylor, Michigan State, San Diego, um, Pepperdine can get thrown in there. Like, again, you can keep naming schools. I'm going to miss some. But that's how many schools right now. The fascinating conversation. Yeah. 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 NC State, who just beat South Carolina. Thank you for throwing that one in there. Like, it's all of them. It's all the schools. You could put a field of all of it together. Can we just agree, though? Jay's response to Harry of, you could host it and get the host (laughs) wild card. That's objectively funny. Like, that is funny. (laughs) I did. I will admit, I it was funny, and I laughed, and at the same time, I thought, man, that is, is even though it's funny, it's almost like the backhanded compliment. It hurts. It yeah, hurts. Yeah. You're but the, that you're the number seventy two school that has to get the wild card to host and get in, but. And they are. Yeah. I mean, again, it's true. It's like, look, you want to do this event, host it. Like, there's yeah, truth. Okay. What do we great. What do we always say, Chris? The best jokes have a grain of truth to it. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one from Jay. And again, it speaks to how much fun this season has already been. And we haven't even hit the national indoors. And it's a real, again, I had to break down the week ahead when I sent the outline to Chris into tiers. I have three tiers of week ahead matches. That's how much fun pre indoors action we still have ahead of us. Of course, again, we still got to catch you up on everything that happened in the college tennis world. So that's the start of today's show. And Chris, let's begin in Columbus because in a year that has been defined by chaos and the text I sent to Jay that I will now share with you here on today's show, of the 32 teams we have competing between the men's and the women's fields, I am sure that all of those teams are good. Like the field is very, very good. It's very, very deep. We're going to have a lot of really fun matches. There's only... 1.75 teams I think are great right now. The one, of course, is the UNC women because they bring back all seven starters from last season. Look at the score lines. <laughs> I've never seen them lose at the indoors. I've called it four straight years. Never seen them lose six titles, nine finals in the last nine years. They're the one. The .75, and maybe I'd even say two, and we can have that discussion here, is Ohio State. Now, we've seen the Buckeyes do this each of the last couple of seasons, right? Wins over Wake, Kentucky, Virginia, etc. Tennessee, like, Ty always schedules so well early in the season to get his team tested. And for the teams that want to come play inside a trip to Columbus makes sense. You know, again, obviously, Ohio State go, went to South Carolina. They went to Charlottesville last year. They go places as well. This year, 
it was their swing where they had Wake Forest, Virginia at home this weekend. And the only reason I said 0.75 is not because I doubt the Buckeyes. It's because they didn't beat the full Virginia roster. Like, let's be clear. Had Montez Rodesh been lined up, had maybe even just Rodesh, because we've seen a Montezless Virginia go to Austin and beat Texas, but they didn't have either of those teams. And that's why, you know, Ohio State winning that match 7-0 in the fashion that they did, certainly dropping no sets in singles. That's extraordinarily impressive because it's still a win over Virginia, and they were up on every doubles court as well. The Wake Forest win is the one that has me really convinced because, I mean, again, for the Buckeyes, yes, Luchanic Boulay, who play the number one spot after playing two against Virginia, they lose 6-2, but Kingsley and Tracy have lost like six matches in their two and a half years, whatever, plus together, and they get a win 6-4 at two. Nakashima, who won multiple futures and doubles with NCAA doubles finalist and multinational event winning doubles player Robert Cash at three. I'll take that pairing every day of the week. They get a 6-3 win. And then, you know, again, it's how they flex their muscles. Boulay, who's looked excellent to start the season, 3-0 at 2. Tracy, 3-2 at the number 3 spot. And then pick your other spot. Like, again, you feel pretty good everywhere. In this instance, it's Bernard, who I think justifiably indoors is at the 6 spot, given Cash's track record of success. He gets a 1-3 win over a Luca Pau, who's been really impressive thus far as a freshman. You know, again, it's a really impressive victory for the Buckeyes. Now, the one for Wake Forest, 10-4 in the third. Holden Coons knocks out Cash at five. That's maybe the best transfer pickup we have in the country is Holden Coons for Wake Forest. And the fact that he's going to be playing at five. I got to see him in person at an exhibition event we worked in the summer. He beat Ryan Harrison. And I was so upset with myself that I wasn't aware of his level going into that because I pride myself on knowing the Holdens of the world in college tennis. That's a real result. Like, that's not a fluke. That's not cash played bad. That's no. Holden Coons is good. But again, In each match, Buckeyes win doubles. They earn three straight set victories. Chris, that's the name of the game. They are a team, and we'll talk about the other, who have looked. Just in a year where no one's taken care of business, Buckeyes take care of business this weekend in Columbus. Well, I mean, absolutely. I think the only reason, well, I'll say the only other reason that you give them the .75 as opposed to the one is, look, yeah, A, they did the same thing last year. I fully expected and the year before year. and the year before. Yeah. I expected them uh, again to do it this year. They're, they're almost unbeatable, you know, at home indoors this early in the year. And this year in particular, which I don't think this was necessarily the case last year, this year in particular, when it comes to these top teams, I will say I might I might have expanded the list from four to five, but there are four or five teams that I will say at this point matter from the perspective of are they national championship, you know, contending teams. And Ohio State is absolutely not going to lose to anybody. They're that they're so good. They're not going to lose to anybody outside of that group. And the only team team they've played inside of that group was completely undermanned, so it almost doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't diminish what Ohio State did. Look, they, Wake Forest, I would have, when I was doing, and we'll get into this part when we come to our rankings, but after the teams I talked about, 
and trying to come up with the rankings and who's next. Wake Forest was right at the top of that list mm-hmm. of they're one of the teams that could come that could be right there. They could be five, six, seven. That went uh, over because, Illinois aging very well. Yeah, they've looked really, really good. And Ohio State dismantled them. Uh, so, yeah, Ohio State looks great. At the same time, it's exactly what I expect them to do against the teams that they've that they've played. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. The, the the problem is I'm not sure outside of, you know, I talked about the fact, well, it's got to be Virginia or it's got to be Texas or it's got to be TCU. Well, they do play Texas. They don't play TCU. They've already played Virginia, who is undermanned. They're not playing, you know, uh, they're not playing Tennessee. It, to me, they Texas might be the only chance they have to lose a match this year. It's going to be fascinating to watch this Buckeyes team. And again, I want to clarify, 0.75 of a great team is a very, very, very good team. I did three varies because 0.75, three quarters, Chris. That's why I went with the three. That's a deep cut right there. Shout out to math. The only reason you wouldn't say they're great is because, again, if it was against a full-throated Virginia roster, then you have to say it's great. If they beat a South Carolina team and we see a debut for a story or a Thompson in singles, or again, they do this again, now it becomes .85 heading into the national indoors. It's just, again, great teams have won national championships. The UNC women are the team that have done that, that have a core retained. I haven't seen this Ohio State group do it yet. They've done everything but. As we said in our preseason preview, this team has talent, they have depth, they have versatility, they have a doubles point that indoors, I don't know how anyone is going to beat, and if they're up 1-0, I don't know how you beat them. Kingsley, good wins this weekend over Dietrich, DK Suresh, Boulay, good wins over Maroney, Von der Schulenberg. Like, if they're clicking up top two, if Kingsley and Boulay are winning, because they're going to get wins in the middle, they're going to get wins down below... You almost have to go 2-0 against Ohio State at the top two positions, and I just don't know if anyone's going to do that right now. They have looked as good as any team, certainly, in the country. Maybe one other in that conversation. We'll get back to them in a little bit. But look, we have to have the conversation, Chris. And what is one of my rules that you know? If I'm going to talk smack about someone behind their back, I'm going to also say it to their face. I talk some trash about you, Chris Halioris, in a text recently. And now I'm going to share it with your face. Mm. I seem to remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember a man whom I deem the professor, the man whom I deem a forefather, saying on this very podcast that regardless of what happens before May, he was going to have UVA at his number one spot all season (laughs) long. And that said person has very quickly – retracted and receded from that position. I mean, again, has given <laughs> this was, up the line. This, this was the week, folks. I, I drew the line. The I get the no road dash. The Montez hasn't played. At some point you gotta pay you gotta pay penance for your uh for 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 your losses. And uh yeah, they were lucky to even remain in the top ten at this point. So we'll talk about where we have them specifically when we get to the top ten. But more broadly, they haven't had Montez. Rodesh was gone this weekend. He was playing Davis Cup. No issues with that. And again, a season hasn't started until Virginia's 500 and they've played more than five matches because that's how you know the narrative arc has begun. You know, again, 
2018 me would say this. So, and Jay is on a push to bring back 2018 Gruskin. Chris, that was one of his New Year's resolutions. It was very funny. Um, so I'm going to try and give more takes that are fun for the listeners. And I'm again, don't take it too seriously. But we had that discussion, remember, as it related to Virginia of, hey, if this team wanted to be a Pantheon team, go win in Columbus a second time. Go win in Austin. Go win in indoors, which is the one thing this group hasn't done together yet. And, you know, again, a loss to South Carolina wasn't in the script. Uh, A loss to Ohio State. I have no shame in that because no one wins in Columbus. And this group has already done that once, which, again, is in their Pantheon resume. The thing is now they lose to Kentucky. And, again, I know no Rodesh, no Montez. That obviously matters. But, again, like – they're 3-3 three and three overall. Kentucky knocking out Virginia 4-3. Virginia took the doubles point in that match. Yaffa and von der Schulenberg 6-4 win at 2. Dietrich Kiefer 6-3 win at 3. Where did Kentucky get them? 1-3-4 and the 5 spots. It was body over von der Schulenberg in 3. That was the real swing match. You know, the other wins were straight sets. Weeks. Four and two over Kiefer at three. Kosnay, four and four over Graziani at four. Hopper, three and two. Uh, excuse me, Stevenson, three and two over Hopper at five. Now, Dahlberg did beat Clement at six, but again, that Dahlberg's still at six in this lineup. I mean, again, you can't really read into it because there's no Rodesh, no Montez. So I guess the question is, is there any sort of panic level? Or at this point, do we know this script so well that it really is, eh, who cares? Well, it, it's 100% eh, who cares, uh, other than the fact that— They won doubles. I, I Yeah, I don't—my my, my legit only concern about the team at all is what's the deal with Montez, Right. I mean, that's, that's it. They're, they're fine. We know what they can do. They'll, they'll be there. Uh, And again, my, you know, the ranking thing is, you know, if you take it to extremes, what if they, what if they started the year 0 and 8 and you, and and they were playing their top two short the entire time, are you still going to vote them a top 10 team? Well, you can't, right? I mean, at some point you just have to say, look, I've got to judge you on what you've actually done. That doesn't mean that if you ask me right now, it's May. Who are you picking to be your four teams in the semis? Well, they're one of them. I mean, it's just that that's not going to change that fact. But it, uh, but you do have to you have to live up to what you've done and the fact that you know guys have been hurt, guys have been out, whatever. But no, there's no panic. The only panic is going to be if they come out and say, "Man, we're not sure." And obviously, they're not going to say it. But if you were to to learn that, hey, Montez is only fifty percent and. We're not, and I'm not even all that concerned as long as he's a hundred percent by the beginning of April, right? Uh, and gets a gets a month under his belt before we get into May for NCAA's. Uh, that's the only thing that's really going to to concern me. Uh, other than that, no, I I don't care. They're the they're good. The win over Texas will certainly help them in the top eight race later. They've got a lot of AC point ACC points on the horizon. They need to get a win at the National Indoors to feel good about their top eight resume. But yeah, no Rodesh, no Montez until we actually see what this version looks like. And by the way, I know certainly it must be some injury related. I've also heard there's a racket switch as it relates to Montez, something just fun to monitor moving forward. But 
Yeah, the panic level is zero. It's a conversation we had to have, but the honest answer is zero because we've yet yeah. to see the healthy version of this lineup. And if it carries into April and we still haven't seen it, then there's a panic level. But we got a lot of time between now oh, and then, so certainly no time. panic yeah. on the Virginia side. I will say, for a team that's not going to be at the national indoors, and again, given the uncertainty surrounding everything in the SEC, massive weekend for Kentucky. Not only the 4-3 win over Virginia, 6-1 over Louisville. Stevenson gets a couple of wins. I saw the freshman. He is so solid. Him at 5-6, and six, that is just a tough out. You saw uh, a good weekend for Jaden Weeks, who we know was injured. He gets a couple of wins in singles. Lapidot only played one of the matches, didn't play against Virginia. We did see him uh, against Louisville, where uh, he takes a loss at the number two spot to Natan Rodriguez. Good weekend for Body. Wins over Etienne Dene, Van der Schulenberg, respectively. Big bounce back for the Wildcats, Chris, especially, again, given they won't be in New York. Yeah, a little concerning that you know what we did, you know what we did see in from Lapidot in you know taking the loss and then being out, and certainly playing Virginia at home is not a match that you're going to pull him unless you absolutely have to. There's no yeah, he's fifty fifty. He could go or not. If if he could play, he plays. Uh, so so that that's somewhat concerning. But yeah, a huge. Huge win for them. It's going to pay dividends, you know, later in the year. And when Virginia does turn things around and gets gets all those ranking points, like every other year, all they've done is give some to South Carolina, give some to Kentucky, and all those points are circulating in the SEC again. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's like every other year, the SEC is getting the benefit of, of all of this. And, yeah, it's – I don't even know what to say. I, I was – I was a little shocked. I remember last, I think it was last year, was it not that we had the no Draxel, no Rodesh? Uh, it was it was a one-for-one one missing uh, match between those two. And and now now they both missed their one, but in, in addition, they missed Montez for Virginia. It's, again, no worries there. Kentucky, yeah, it's, it's making things look wide open. And then after what we saw out of Georgia today, that was a shocker to me, to be honest. Uh, yeah, the SEC, there there are so many things that are going to be wide open in that conference. I After Tennessee right now, I'm not sure. I mean, they look great. We'll get into that. I don't know what's well, I don't know what comes next in the SEC. Did Georgia win or lose? They beat Georgia Tech 5-2. Interesting. They took right. two of the top 3. Paul Sell beat like beat Martin I like I think it was straight uh, yeah, but between between Martin, Chopra, and and uh, McDaniel, Georgia took two of those top three spots. They dropped doubles and took five out of the six singles matches. Yeah, four SEC schools good, in New York. Good A&M. showing for Georgia today. Four in New York, Alabama, A&M, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Not the combination maybe we expected to start the year, but certainly, again, big weekend for the Cats. The win over Virginia, 4-3, 6-1 win. 4-2 at the clinch, by the way. 6-1 win over Louisville. Chris, I'm going to rescind something I said earlier. So, Westhoff, give me a rewind sound effect. There are two great teams in college tennis right now between the 32 fields we have, men, women, uh, at the national indoors. Ohio State's the .75 
TCU's an extra .25, and that's where I want to take this yeah. conversation next because I should not have overlooked their weekend uh, in Fort Worth this past weekend. 5-2 win over Stanford, 4-3 win over a Tennessee team that has as impressive of a resume as anyone to date in the college tennis world. You look at how they did it against Tennessee in particular to drop the doubles point in three first sets in a match where there are only four active courts going on at once. They come back to win that match, Chris. They get the win, obviously, uh, from uh, uh, Pajanka in uh, – uh, excuse me. They get the win from Pajanka. They get the win from Gorsny, 6-3 in the third. Then it's Fernley down match points. He gets a 7-6 win in the third. And then – the most impressive development and big picture win for TCU is where they pulled away in this match. The five and six spots. Louis Maxted, straight set win over Diaz. Jirasek, the clinch, straight set win over Chris Lee. Now again, shout out to Pajanka. On the road, the freshman six and four over junior Pedro Vivez, one of our breakout stars of the fall. That's a great win for the freshman. For Mitsui to beat JPJ four and two as well. Really impressive win for Mitsui. He's continued to look really good to start this season. And again, answering the question, can he play in the top half of the lineup right now? It feels like that answer is yes. But again, TCU down doubles. Three first sets, Chris Hallioris. They come back. They take this match 4-3. And then, obviously, the 5-2 win over Stanford. They get the doubles point in that one. But that match was really close. Like Again, there were some tight uh, first sets across the board. Ultimately, TCU straight sets at 2-3 and 4 to clinch this match, I believe, uh, at, the, at a 4-love mark. You know, Stanford able to get some things back at the end. Rajesh, three sets over Jirasek. Basferetti, th- uh, straights over uh, Fernley. Anyways, big picture. Thoughts on TCU? They looked real good to start this uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I, well, they look great. So first, you had to start out with the, I'm the guy that said I was putting Virginia number one all the way till May. Mm-hmm. You're the guy that said, I think it's only a top three. I'm not ready to put TCU up there yet. So, no, TCU's been they were they were there the whole time. I will, but but look, we can we can honestly say Monday had three match points here, and we're talking about how what a great weekend it was for TCU. Tennessee could have gotten out of there four one, and we'd be going, wow, TCU just got beat up four one. You know, the matches are never as one-sided as the score seems when you get the good these good teams playing each other. And literally that match could have ended 4-1 and it doesn't. And Mon- Monday doesn't close it out. And then five and six happened for, for TCU and 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 they end up winning the match 4-3. But no, they they absolutely look they look great. I, I don't I think they are. They to me they have been in that top that top four that we initially had, and I, when I alluded at the top of the show to maybe five, Tennessee to me has looked so good that I'm I'm willing to put them in that group of they could they as well I think I mean Pajanka has been outstanding, uh, I I think it really hurt to have to play Chris Lee six and not play Eunice Lalami in singles for Tennessee. I know that I that part of that was, you know, probably some matchup related, but um, but 
gosh, indoor. I'm Chris Lee is going to be much better for them outdoors. Tough loss for Tennessee. You're, you're seeing those match points, but they're right there. They've shown they're right there with TCU. I think they're in that same group. I think those five schools are just separated at this point from the rest, but TCU looks great. You're right. They're a quarter because nobody's looked as good as Ohio State's looked. Uh, I mean, they win 4-3. Ohio State's beating everybody, you know, 7-0 and 6-1. And there's a continuity to that Ohio State lineup where it's like we've seen it before. We haven't seen all these pieces in these places for TCU. Yeah, it's – yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's just – and it's it's that, that eye, the eye test isn't quite the – it's not that dominating, like, wow, they're just And the doubles. Totally no, it's the doubles. It's like Ohio yeah. State has that doubles point advantage, too, in a way. TCU, I mean, they go one and one in doubles on the weekend. They take it over Stanford, not against Tennessee. By the way, to your point, I think if you're Coach Woodruff, Coach Mackay, you're feeling really good about your squad heading towards New York because, like, yeah, Apple Tower loses his match to Gorsney in three. It's a freshman on the road for the first time in a top-five battle, and he lost it in three. Like— yeah, Monday. They're playing two point. freshmen. How many how many teams playing two freshmen are do we have in the in the top five? Well, you know? Duncan Chan and um oh no, it was with Max Dead, so only one. But still, you're right. And also beyond that, I would also point out that like Monday, okay, he loses this one with match points. He got the Gavin Young match. Like so he's one and one in a three set thriller so far. Yeah. That's gonna happen at the top spot. Again, if you're TCU for Maxted, Jirasek, Maxted goes 2-0, by the way, wins over Rivera and Angel Diaz this weekend. It's a really good litmus test, sort of prove-it weekend for TCU heading into the indoors. Again, a couple of big wins for them. The tough start for Stanford continues. And look, they've played a really tough schedule. There's no doubt about that. But they not only drop that match to TCU 5-2, they drop a match 4-1 to Texas. You know, again, they don't get doubles in either of the matches. Kyle Kang gets a really nice win over P.Y. Bailey in the Texas match. Uh, you look, uh, and certainly um, in the TCU match for Rajesh to beat Jirasek, for Bosvaretti to beat Jake Fernley. Again, some bright spots, certainly. Three three-set matches in the Texas-Stanford battle, but only the Cleve Harper one mattered. He gets a three-set win over Hudson Rivera. It does feel worth noting. Texas singles lineup. They go Spiz, Braswell, GA, PY, Cleve, Jonah, Braswell. Thoughts first on the Cardinal, though, Chris, and what we've seen from them so far to start the year. Again, it's a really young team with new pieces. They're getting tested early. They just haven't been on the right side quite yet. Yeah, they've shown fla- they've shown flashes here and there, and it's been. Uh, I mean, it's. I think once again we kind of came in with a little bit, t- you know, lofty expectations. We, uh, we, yeah, do we have to do this again. No, no. I I was vowing to not even put him in the top ten, and I couldn't because of these freshmen. It's but, too early breaks of vows, Chris. I'm just but, pointing it out as your yeah. as your uh what's it accountability partner. I think that's but, what the kids yeah, call it no, nowadays. Thanks. But you know, it is it's it's it does feel a lot like for this team right now. Look, I think unless we get some miracle you know march surprise and Arthur Ferry comes back, we know who the players are. Uh and everybody is playing for the most part, yeah, we saw a little, you know, Bossa Ready didn't play the singles match in the in the kickoff final, but the guys are playing, they're just young. When you're playing, you know, Kang and you're playing Rivera and you're playing Godsick, 
it's you know what do you expect when you're playing three freshmen? Is By the way, Bastianini and Banerjee are sophomores. Like they're not yeah. much older. Right. So it's it's I mean it's a lot to ask. I I do think it's going to be a team that that needs a little time through the year. They will get better. Do they have a lot of time to help themselves out? I'm not so sure. They're not going to the to indoors. They're not getting the best of, you know, a a schedule down the road. So I don't know how good it's going to be after that, but they still got time. They have opportunities, obviously, to beat schools in the Pac-12 that will add points. USC has been looked, has looked good. Arizona State's going to indoors would, I mean, I can't under understate how massive an opportunity it is for the Pac-12. They need Arizona State to do something at indoors just to help the conference. You know, they do not want Arizona State going 0-3 at indoors for the sake of the conference. There's time for Stanford. They're just young and we're, you know, I want us I don't want to overreact and say, yep, we're a year early again. Uh, because there is so much talent there that they could, you know, they could just get better as the year goes. And like those matches with Texas, you mentioned the three setters. At one point, it looked, even though Texas jumped out 3-1, it looked like we could have been in a three-all battle coming down to Nishesh and Spiz at one, but both Harper and Braswell managed to kind of get their matches turned around after dropping first sets. Had that not happened, we could have been sitting there in a three-all match in a different discussion. So it's not like they're light years away. They're very small margins, and they just haven't gotten over that hump yet. Not could. They will get better. They will get better come May. Their destiny is to play one to three, four, three matches. If they go 0 and 1, they're losing in the round of 32. If they go 1 and 1, they're losing in the round of 16. If they go 3 and 0, they're going to be in the semifinals. And at that point, this team will have found its ceiling and anything can happen because there is that much talent on this roster. But yeah, it was a good one for Texas to grind out at home as well. And look, the Micah Braswell fall has translated to the spring. He continues to be so good at that number two spot. If you're Texas, you know one of the Baileys is winning every time. So that's two. (laughs) Harper and Spiz are two and a half. They still need to find a point and a half. Like Jonah and Cleve have been fine, not elite at the five and six spot. Spiz is Spiz. He's never going to lose in worse than three sets unless it's against Rodash. But, like, he's been fine, not straight sets rolling everyone, at least thus far to start. And, again, who are the six guys they're going to play? I think there are still some Texas questions uh, as we head towards the indoors. But, of course, again, given the experience on that roster, you know what they will certainly become May. Let's move to something we – had inclinations about in the offseason, but we saw some confirmation of over the past weekend, and that is the fact that this is more than a frisky Illinois team. This is a good Illini squad who defend their home courts in Champaign. It's always one of the best weekends. UNC Duke love to make that Champaign trip. This time, maybe a little bit less so, as they walk away with a couple of losses. Illinois beating UNC for a second time in consecutive weekends. 4-2 for the Illini in that match. Illinois, a 5-2 win uh, over Duke as well. You look uh, for Illinois in particular in that UNC match, clinched at the number six spot, I believe, by Ali Akonkwo. It's not at the headline to lead the show, Chris, but I tweeted this, and I just want to mention it here on the pod again. 
Brad Dancer's like a buck sixty soaking wet, maybe. Like I bet he weighs less than you, Chris Halioris, and I say that with love. Oh, maybe not vegan you, uh, but old school you. There's no chance he's a buck sixty. He deadlifted well, clearly not, because the deadlift of Ali Aconquo across a couple of courts, like what? Like, oh my God, I didn't know he had that in him. Uh, again, yeah. it speaks to the gravity of this weekend, the excitement around this team in Champaign. They've got something cooking. And obviously, look, who he has on the coaching staff, guys, and Tim Kapinski and Zeke Clark, who are around for the best spread dancer seasons and know what this team, this culture can be when it's firing at all cylinders. You know, Hunter Heck was a part of that really, really good 2021 team. I think it was a top five team all year long. And, you know, obviously the experience, Ozalans, Miyoshi, Petrov, Mraz, Okonkwo, these are all guys who have played matches. And, you know, again, I like the fact that it's always a little bit of a different formula against UNC. They lose a heartbreaker in doubles, two, seven, six sets uh, at the one and three spots. They come back straight set wins from Heck, Ozalans, Miyoshi at one, two, and three. Then Okonkwo, the clinch at six against Duke, different recipe. They take the doubles points, uh, wins at the number two spot. No good weekend for Ozalans. He gets a straight set win. This time it's Mraz, straight set win at five. Heck, Miyoshi, three set wins at the two and three spots. Hunter Heck's going to be really hard to beat in Champaign in his senior season. Like He has always been a primetime performer, and every home match is one of his last home matches. So that's just something to always note. And his win over Pedro Rodinas, more a testament to that than, in my opinion, the early season struggles we've seen from the sophomore. But man, for an Illinois team that, again, we won't see at the national indoors, they have a top 16 resume. And this is massive for the Big Ten now to get some some tentacles into those ACC conference points. Huge weekend for the Illini, Chris. They've got depth. They've got talent. This is a team that's just going to be a tough out. One of those, dare I say, I don't know where the four points are going to come from, but they could from anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the weekend for for Hunter Heck. I mean, two and two over polling and then a three-setter over Rodinus. I mean, soup, super impressive from Hunter Hack. How about Ozal and straight sets over Johns and yeah. Jansen? Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking at, it's not what I would have expected to be saying at this point, but yeah, they're looking so good up top that you're thinking, and you know, they're going to be decent in doubles. You know, how often are you going to lose two, seven, six, you know, sets there? They're looking so good up top that you're just thinking, Hey guys, Give us something down low. And we're, I mean, they're, yeah, they're just solid all top to bottom. And it's like you said, I wouldn't be even be counting on those two and they can win without it being, you know, the top two. They, they're just, they're very good all up and down the lineup. And it's a team that's going to give, you know, I'll say almost every, everybody they play. I don't know about Ohio state, but everybody else fits. I mean, it's going to be, the, I think that is that's to me honestly going to be the litmus test of how good are they is what kind of match do they give Ohio State we I mean they're going to be there with everybody else I'm really interested to see if it's a dog fight with Ohio State uh, and I can't wait for that one to come around 
legitimately four top 25 teams right now in the Big Ten. And look, Northwestern, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, we're all in that conversation. Certainly Ohio State, Michigan, unequivocal top teners last year. Northwestern, Illinois, fringe top 25. That's just not the case this year. Michigan State, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, they're top 25 teams. And for what it's worth, March 30th, Saturday, ooh, I'm going to that match. March 31st, Sunday, because we don't have a broadcast on Saturday. March 31st, Sunday, they've got Michigan State, Michigan at home in Champaign. Brad, if someone listens to this, share this to Brad, if they need someone to broadcast that in Champaign, Dalton won't let me do it for free, but I will be there for sure. So I'm just going (laughs) to throw that on the resume. The Saturday Michigan State match, the Sunday one we'll already have for sure. By the way, listen to – all right. Here's the season. March 24th at Ohio State. March 30th, Michigan State at home. March 31st, Michigan at home. There it is, Chris Hallioris. We will know exactly how good Ohio State is. Yeah, that's the other three teams in the Big Ten. No, I mean, and again, four top 25 teams probably in this week's rankings. Big Ten schools uh, in the coaches poll. And that speaks to what happened for Illinois. Again, really good weekend at the top two. Great weekend excitement. That champagne crowd. Here's the thing. Last note, because I've had the chance to go there. College tennis is a better place when the Illini net nuts are fully populated. And they're best fully populated for a good team because that atmosphere is just insane when it's insane. And so, again, that's a fun weekend. Now, on the flip side, you know, we try to be glass half full, focus on the fun storylines. This weekend was an outright disaster for Duke. And that's two out of three weekends now, Chris, where they've flirted with disaster. And this week, that flirtation became a full-on involvement with the loss to Illinois. Again, that's not that bad of a loss. But a 4-3 loss to a Northwestern squad that had lost 4-0 to Oregon that Friday, that's a disaster. And I know they didn't have Pedro Rodinas, but, you know, they go in that match. They drop doubles. Johnson Rodinas, they had him in doubles. They lose that number one spot. Miller, goalie, win at number three over Krug and Khan as well. Shout out, obviously, to our guy, Presley Thieneman. That's a really impressive 2-2 two and two win over fifth-year Andrew Zhang. Senior Andrew Dale struggled to start the year. He drops one, three, and two to Felix Nordby. Everything else was three sets, but you're down 3-0. With four three-set matches on the road, Northwestern got the one they needed to clinch, uh, certainly in Cyprakash goalie. 7-6 in the third. Uh, he knocks out Connor Krug. Ultimately, again, a 4-3 victory for Northwestern. Yes, they were redeemless, But it's just, that's a tough weekend for the Blue Devils, who, again, for those that have forgotten, VCU was a good, is a very good team. Duke needed 4-3 to beat them opening weekend. It ultimately finished 4-3 against Princeton as well. Is this team just going to flirt with this all year long, Chris? Are they that team this season? Your thoughts on the Blue Devils weekend? Yeah, I mean, I I think it is going to be that sort of up and down. Um, Obviously, it hurts to not have Rodinus. You got to have Johns and Rodinus firing, but... What they have after that, I think, is just going to be very up and down for them. They're not solid enough beyond that point to say, yeah, look, we're going to be fine. It's going to be, you know, we're going to manage to figure, you know, to find those points no matter what. No, they could very easily drop every single one of those matches or three of the four, you know, in that spot. Uh, 
just as easily as they could win them, but they're not going to be prohibitive favorites, you know, at four, five, six anywhere against the top teams. So yeah, it they're they're going to be in a bunch of dog fights, and and some of them just aren't going to go their way. And and we may be sitting here talking about, wow, I can't believe they beat X, and that X could be you know Wake Forest, let's say, and then the very next week going, wow, I can't believe they lost to you know, who, whoever you want to call from the ACC that you think they should be beating, say a Georgia Tech or a Notre Dame or whatever. It could definitely be like that for them all season long. Mm-hmm. I will say season saving win for Northwestern. Uh, again, who are three and five oh. overall, but now still have enough left on the schedule to make a push back up. Certainly in, in the rankings, excuse me, but yeah, look like They've just played a lot of tight matches everywhere. They were on the winning end of a lot of the tight ones last year. Sometimes they swing the other way and there's no ad scoring. Look, if you're Duke, you made the national indoors. That's what really matters. But this is the wake-up call I think they need, given they flirted with this. Everything but the kickoff weekend. By the way, I had them at 15 in my ranking still, and we'll talk about this when we get there. But because they beat NC State pretty soundly. And, like, that NC State win aged well given their efforts against South Carolina, Columbia this weekend. So there is a good team in Duke. Last weekend, we literally led the headline after kickoff. Oh, Duke righted the ship. And now it's like, nope, just kidding, disaster. Uh, maybe they're just that team this week, year, and they want us to talk about them again. Tough weekend, though, for them in Illinois. Losses to uh, the Illini 5-2, Northwestern 4-3. You look you like you had nope. something to say. Yeah, you, I was going to say, you you talked about a season-saving win for Northwestern. They've got a very intriguing non-conference schedule. Yeah, like Middle the, Tennessee, Columbia. Well, it's, a, it's a huge run. They've got Alabama, Clemson, Middle Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Harvard, Columbia, and Notre Dame. Love that. That's a huge stretch of, Love if that. they, you know, obviously we don't expect them to, to beat a Harvard or a Columbia, but... I mean, there's some teams in there. If they can beat a Duke, they're 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 the Vandy, the Middle Tennessee, the Clemson, the Bama. Those are all matches that maybe they can be right in. And yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they can do. They have a shot uh, and to to do something there. And there are a lot of teams in that same mix that are going to be looking for them to do something because they want the points that Northwestern can throw up after. After they've beaten them, like the Louisville's, like the Oregon's, you know, those teams want to see want to see the those wins add value to their schedule. Yeah, again, it's going to be fun to watch them compete. Certainly, uh, throughout the course of the year, let's talk about San Diego next, Chris, because this team is top sixteen good right now. Obviously, they pushed USC to the brink in the kickoff weekend, but. This weekend, they get over the finish line. Four, three wins over Arizona, Arizona State, respectively. Oliver Tarvit might be the best player in the country right now. He has wins over Dostanich and now wins over Colton Smith in three sets this weekend. Straight sets over Murphy Cassone. Now, by the way, get familiar with the freshman Bor Artnock. He gets a straight set win over Iro Vasa. He is as good as advertised. But for this San Diego team, you know, again, in the Arizona match, they take the doubles point. Uh, they get a win from Tarvit, wins at the four and six spots in straight sets as well. In the Arizona State match, uh, they they drop the doubles point. In this instance, it's wins at one, four, five, and six. 
seems really good, Chris. They feel like maybe we have the best player in every match that we play, and clearly they've got some real depth across this lineup. You know, they've pushed USC, Arizona, Arizona State now at 4, 5, and 6 in each of those matches. Sharma, Klaassen, Danilov, I saw them play. They are very good. Man, this is a massive victory, a massive weekend for a San Diego squad who now has to be in the top 16 hunt, Chris. And given Arizona, Arizona State are both going to be at the indoors, tentacles are latched in, right, for the San Diego squad, which is otherwise not power five. Yeah, the pro- the, the problem for San Diego in, ta- in talking about that hunt really is just the schedule that they, they play. They've got a few... Big matches that all you almost have to pinpoint as, you know, must wins or, or splits, if if you will, against some of those teams because their their schedule just isn't, you know, it's not a power five schedule. And so when I look at that, I I look primarily at that at the beginning of March where they play on the road at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That's going to be huge for them if they want to be in that hunt. They're a hundred percent, you know, and should be right now a top 15 team in the coaches poll based off of what they just did this weekend. But when we flip that over to computer rankings uh, and the computer rankings see, you know, they don't care that you lost four, three to USC, you lost the match, right? We, I test, we all see it and we know they're right there, but the strength of schedule for them just isn't there right now. So it's going to be a tough road to see them get a top 16, but if they can get those big wins over schools like, and they've got a, you know, a Washington Pac-12 team that they, they get to play, a Cal team. Uh, and then I've talked about that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. There's not a lot more on, you know, SMU late, Pepperdine late. Hopefully they can get points out of that. But top 16 is going to be a stretch for them. They're definitely a top 16 team caliber Computer ranking wise, I think it'll be tough, but you're right. They look, they looked absolutely outstanding. And I think, you know, I, I, I look at what Tarbit's looking like now. And I just, I can't help but think that the time they had with Holmgren last year really helped this team a lot and written uh, and let them see what that level could and should be. And yeah, Tarbit had a year to grow in that system. He's, he looks outstanding. You, you're going to take him against anybody right now. Flip side, Arizona, the match was really tight. Three sets, and it comes down to Colton Smith. You're fine with that fight every time. You know, again, Hoyerall gets a big win at five at three. And again, like Christensen, he's got to work his way in to that number six spot. On the Arizona State side, really hurts to lose three straight set matches at four, five, and six. But that's the concern for the Sun Devils moving forward. We obviously know how good they might be. Man, if they can go one at two. And those four through six spots, that's a team that can beat anyone on any given day. So, again, massive weekend for San Diego. A couple of victories for them over Arizona, Arizona State, respectively. Last category before we rapid fire through some results, Chris. There were some other serious results with NCAA seeding implications. We mentioned the NCAA State Wolfpack earlier. They popped the South Carolina bubble, another team that has been flirting with Something like this will for NC uh, for South Carolina still without Connor Thompson, James Story in singles, though they had them both in doubles. They drop a four three match to NC State 
in Columbia, South Carolina, dropping the doubles point. Uh, Staheli Katri, that's a really good win over Thompson and Samuel at one. Schick von Sambik, the 6-1 win at three. Look, this match had three, three setters in singles, but ultimately, again, clinched at the number three spot. Lucas Staheli, 5-7-7-6-6-1 over freshman Yelani Saar. Now, again, how much do you read into this? given the fact South Carolina is still no Thompson, still no story in singles. We know those two will be playing. And look, every repetition for the talented freshman, Saar, Darabegi, the sophomore, De Silva, they're good reps. Big picture for South Carolina. Still, it's a loss on the resume. Chris, how much does it impact the seating in your mind? Well, it it could impact it. A lot. I mean, South Carolina clearly is in a boat where they th- they're trying to battle for the top eight type seed, right? They want to host not just the first weekend, but they want that they want the second one as well. Um, NC State's not in that boat, but they're in the they're, they're in the hey, we want to we want to think we can still battle for a top sixteen, and that win could go a long way to helping them. They they look the part. To me, even on they've gotten, I think, a little bit of a slow start. But I watched the, you know, a, a fair amount of the finish to that uh, Columbia match, and I mean, they were right there. Ultimately, they go down four three in a in a in a tough one. But NC State, I mean, they're a good team. They will be able to battle. They're going to have plenty of opportunity in the ACC. But I, that, I think that's that may prove to be a damaging loss, if you will. To South for South Carolina in trying to maintain that that top eight hosting possibility. I think the bigger and the bigger thing that's going to play into that, though, as you already mentioned, is really how long are we going without Thompson and Story? That's that's going to impact those possibilities much more than a loss to NC State is. Yeah, on the flip side massive win. Almost again, one NC State had to have given their disappointing start to the year. Look, they played two great matches, the win over South Carolina and even the loss 4-3 to Columbia, a match that was probably 19 hours given it ended three-setter on six, and it's the four indoor courts, right, for NC State. Ultimately, Columbia, 4-3 win over the Wolfpack. Columbia dropping the doubles point. NC State taking it 7-6 at the number two spot for the clinch. But again, it's Hugo Hashimoto, 6-4 in the third with the clinch at six. Uh, for Columbia, they win this match not only dropping the doubles point, they don't get a win from Michael Zhang at one either. No, it's Kotzen in three at two, Hashimoto in three at six, Nicholas Kotzen in three at three, and then Westfall, the straight set win at five. It's a good win, Chris Halliors. Again, I don't know how good Columbia's North Carolina wins are, given North Carolina hasn't done much quite yet in this season. Obviously, name brand-wise, that's a great win, but that's a good win for this Columbia squad, uh, again, as they try to cement their top eight status heading into indoors. Yeah, I don't. The, the thing I'm looking for, I don't know if they're if they'll be able to find anybody, but we, you know, we joked up front about the ability to. Uh, to put a tournament together at the same time as indoors with all the teams that didn't make it, but NC state, yeah. you know, they don't have another match on the schedule until February 25th. That's a long time right now to go without I mean, They're virtually going, you know, almost three weeks uh, without a match, uh, a perfect opportunity, I think for them to go and add somebody. I don't know if that's, you know, have not talked to, 
to Coach Spencer or Coach James. I Michigan don't know if that's State, NC State, at. put it on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, there it would be a, a great opportunity for for some schools to, even if they wanted to play a weekend, uh, you know, home and home, if you will, but play at a neutral site, get a couple matches in, count it as one date. Um, yeah, it, that that could happen. I think that's a, a good opportunity for them, and those schools will need some extra extra quality matches potentially for, for seating purposes. Yeah. Again, great win for Columbia. Again, they go one and one on the weekend, but I still thought they looked fine in their loss to wake forest, a five, two win for wake at wake. Uh, you look for wake forest. They take the doubles point wins at the one and three spot. They get straight set wins from DK Suresh over Alex Kotzen at two straight set wins from Holden Coons, Luca Powell at the five and six spot. Matt Thompson, also a straight set win at four, Columbia gets wins at one and three again. So Cots and Zang go one and one at the top two spots in matches against Wake and, and NC State. That's about what you can expect. Nick Cots and two and zero at three. It's great development for Columbia. Uh, and again, on the flip side, if you're Wake Forest, you know again to see Coons get wins over Ruger Cash respectively on the weekend. To see Suresh get a good win over a veteran in Cotson. Matt Thompson continuing to prove he's the most underrated player in Chris Halliorse's mind. We talked about it a little bit earlier, Chris, but that's a great win for Wake. It's hard to make a case. They're, you know, again, their loss against Tennessee, who cares? Like, Tennessee's the top four. Top yeah, that's just looking better and yeah. better every day. They now have wins over Illinois, Columbia, and what, Florida, I believe, was yep. their first round indoors match. That's a solid yep. resume three weeks in. Yeah. Oh, uh, like I said, they were, yeah, I, I could have easily made the case to put them as my number five team. I didn't, but I mean, it was. They were right there as a possibility in in the rankings because I don't, you know, after the top four, I don't know who you throw up there and they could stake their claim as much as anybody. They've looked great. And like you said, there's no shame in the loss to Tennessee, no shame in the loss to Ohio State. Outside of that, really good wins. Yeah. Last one in this list in terms of results with indoor seedings, two teams that will both be at indoors. Harvard knocking out Michigan pretty definitively 6-1. That was a tight doubles point. Ultimately, Williams Malovsky 7-5 over Young and Bickersteth. Singles was not particularly close. There were, I believe, what, four straight set victories for Harvard, the one, three, four, and five spots. Now, Michigan was out without Nino Aaron Schneider. That certainly matters for this Wolverines team. Nick Steiglener got a big win at six. So it is worth saying because we have to cover it objectively, Chris. There is a Steiglener-Cooksey conversation to be had. Given There's no how, doubt. Yeah, where how those two have played over these past couple of months. I want to talk Harvard first, though. I really like their top five. And it's not that I don't like Masato Pereira at six, but Williams, Van der Schulenburg, Malovsky, Jachuk, and the weapons of Melchior, uh, Melchior Deloy at five. I got to see him play kickoff weekend where he clinched at five. He got a straight set win over Cooksey. I really like their top five. Pereira's a tough out at six. He's just a little less proven than some of the options elsewhere in the country, but Harvard's good. Like they even without Aaron Schneider, to beat Michigan doubles and four straight set wins, yes, it's at home, but that's what good teams do. That's a great win for the Crimson. Yeah, no, I they I I thought coming coming in they were they were gonna be tremendous. They and Columbia both are gonna be good. I think there's two more, top 10 teams. Yeah, probably there's probably potentially a little more upside, if you will, on the hearts. It's hard not to 
picture some upside when you got a kid like Cooper Williams coming in. Yeah, right? but I mean, Columbia's got uh, Michael Sang. Yeah, who was Cooper Williams before Cooper Williams? Yeah, well, yeah. So we, we've had, we've seen a year of my. It, it always feels like you can claim more upside to the unknown quantity, sure. right? Because you just right. don't know what's there. Uh, but yeah, they're both. I mean, though this is, I don't know the last time. I think it's a very good possibility that we end up with two top 10 teams here. When's the last time we actually finished with two Ivy league schools in the top 10? Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it has happened, but, but that's uh it's going to be a good year for them. And I'm, no, I'm with you. I, I think Harvard is a, is a very, very, very good team and they play very, I mean, they just play such good, smart tennis that uh, it's it's they're going to be a tough out for for anybody. And yeah, they pretty much manhandled Michigan. The Steiglin or Coxie conversation is real. I know you wanted to say something there if you want the chance. Oh, I mean, yet yeah, how at what point you know at, at some point results matter. It's the same way I say the results matter when I'm trying to rank Virginia, right? <laughs> at some point. Results matter. You give Steiglin an opportunity to play two matches. He wins both of them. We've seen what Cooksey's doing. At what point do you say, you know, when Nino's back in the lineup and you have to pick one of those guys to play six, sooner or later, just like you got to see Cooksey play a lot last year because he wasn't losing, you got to give Steiglin the same shot. Again, something to monitor as we wait for the indoors lineups to emerge. All right, rapid fire through some results here, Chris. At the end, I'll give you a chance to say whatever stood out to you. These were notable results, though, certainly from the weekend. Arizona State, 4-3 over Pepperdine. A&M, 7-0 over SMU. Michigan State, 5-2 over Middle Tennessee. They also get a 5-2 win over Boise State. Middle Tennessee bounced back, though, 4-3 win over Mississippi State. It has not been a good start for the Bulldogs in Starkville. Michigan, 4-1 over Washington. FSU, 4-0 over Florida in the match day. Chris mentioned it earlier. Georgia, 5-2 over Georgia Tech. Memphis continues their strong start, 4-3 over Arkansas. Furman, 4-3 over BC. Denver, 5-2 over UTSA. And Penn, 4-3 over Old Dominion. We'll remember those when it's time to make some NCAA selections come May. Chris, any thoughts on the other results that we rapid-fired through? Uh, a couple. I think the the Michigan State one to me was was intriguing. Look, that's a couple. Middle Tennessee looked great. They beat him 5-2 and no Thanos because he's off playing Davis Cup. Uh, so I think that was a tremendous weekend for Michigan State things looking good for them uh and then you talked about the the I mean an absolute horrific start to the season post the 6-1 win over Florida State for Mississippi State losing to VCU in Florida State in the kickoff and then subsequently losing to Middle Tennessee a big week for them if they want to turn things around because they go at Memphis a school we've already seen beat Harvard and they get a rematch at home against VCU again. So uh, I'll, I mean, we'll we'll get a chance to learn a lot about where that team's headed uh, this weekend. You mentioned Davis Cup. Worth noting, a guy who always comes up in the sneaky highest pro upside conversation, Sebastian Domenko, went over a top 100 player in Zheng Zhen, uh in top Davis 50, Cup. Top 50, isn't he? Or yeah. right around 50. Yeah, top 75 for sure. Like That is a massive win for the lefty sophomore. There were other college players. With our players with college ties who got wins, obviously, in Davis Cup. That was one that stood out. That said, that's everything from the past weekend. Where do the rankings shank out after all of that chaos? That's the question on everyone's mind. Chris Halioris, I do want to say here at the start, 
I don't think the fun's the top 10. The fun's the top 16 or like trying to figure out who is 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. What do I do with like a Duke, a Michigan State, an Arizona State, a Baylor, a UNC, an Illinois, like all these other teams who all have reasons to think they have a spot at the dance floor. I think the top 10 actually is pretty unanimous in the 10 teams and pretty straightforward ultimately in the order as well. I'm going to go with the cumulative rankings because there are some ties with the high lows for the women. So we're just going to go cumulative this week. Number 10, Harvard. Number 9, Columbia. So we, Chris, do have two top 10 Ivy League teams. Number 8, USC. Up to number seven, welcome Wake Forest. And remember, still no Boyton. Number six, UVA. Number five, South Carolina. Number four, Tennessee. Number three, Texas. Number two, TCU. And unanimous number one now, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Chris Alioris, most of our top tens look like that. For what it's worth, you had UVA at 10. I struggled keeping them at six, but I kept them at six because their win at Texas still might be the most impressive thing we've seen all season. And they haven't had Rodeshon Montez in the lineup in any match that they'd had. They're a fascinating team. Again, beyond that, for what it's worth, we submit top 15s. We have San Diego at 11. Like, where do you put a Kentucky? Where do you put an A&M? A Georgia? You know, again, all these squads is so fascinating. Your thoughts on where our rankings shook out this week? Yeah, I I mean I'll say this. I was at I'm surprised that I mean I knew I was probably gonna penalize Virginia the most uh, of of anybody. Uh but it I just I couldn't stay there anymore. Not just the losses, but more because of the the doubts with Montez not even playing. I think I was surprised that they still managed to hold the sixth spot. I think the thing that actually jumps out to me though the most beyond that is that as a as a consensus we've got, or, you know, in our cumulative rankings, we've got USC at eight. And I'll be honest, you know, I think we, we all had, uh, for the, for the most part, uh, I think with one exception, we all had Ohio state, TCU, Texas, Tennessee as the top four teams. And after that was where I said, once you bumped UVA, if, and I, I did, of course, threw UVA out of there, uh, even though I think there's no doubt in my mind they're a top five team come May. Right now I take them out. Everything else you threw up in the you just threw up in the air. And if you're going off of results and a team at in USC that hasn't lost a match, granted, I mean a good win over San Diego, not huge wins other than that, but to have them all the way down at eight, that one surprised me a little too. Uh, well, well, just two things off of that. First of all, I'm the guy who didn't have Texas at three. I had them at four. Tennessee's resume is just too good. Like Again, they looked really good against TCU. The win over Wakes aged well. The win over Michigan. The win over Oklahoma. Like I think the resume is just I, I wasn't picking Texas. on you. I was picking on No, the, no, no. I, I'm not feel – I don't wasn't, didn't feel picked on. I just – I'm explaining myself. No, I, I just meant we, we had can't. we had one of our rankings that didn't have yeah. those four in the top four in some order. And the other thing I would say is that we had unanimity amongst our top 10 teams except for in one spot. One person included Kentucky. Excuse me. Included Kentucky and Texas A&M. Left it out USC and Harvard. So two spots only. And that was from the same person who will remain nameless. Um, but – 
pretty unanimous across the board in our top 10. I agree. It's the race to figure out who are the 16 best teams. That's the question on everyone's mind. And we're going to get a bunch of data points, Chris, to figure that out over the course of this weekend as we now turn to our final exercise here looking at the week ahead. I got three tier one matches, four tier two matches, and a bunch of tier threeers. What I'm going to ask you for, Chris Halliwurst, I want predictions in each and every one of these matches. You ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. South Carolina at Ohio State. Oh, come on. Ohio State in a whitewash. 4 Um, Golly. I mean, South Carolina, even if they play their doubles teams, how do you beat Ohio State indoors? Yeah, I mean, it's 4-0, 4-1 at worst, I think. I mean. Uh, yeah. Listeners, remember South Carolina beat Ohio State in Columbia uh, last season to kick yeah, off. Yeah, they, they they're not they're not forgetting that either. Yeah, big weekend for South Carolina overall. They've got Wake at home as well. What you got in that one? I mean, I think if South Carolina's got it, well, this is the tough part. If they have a full lineup and they're healthy, the problem is without Thompson and Story even playing so far. I don't know if they play that we can even say they're going to be healthy. They are at home, but boy, are they ripe for an upset in this spot. I'll still stick with, I'll stick with South Carolina, but I don't feel great about it without knowing about Thompson and Story. Tennessee at Columbia. Uh, Tennessee's looked too good to to think they don't come away with that. So I got to go Tennessee. Score. Four two. Oh, yeah, that's an, I knew you were going to say. All right, tier two matches still very fun. Harvard at Kentucky. Yeah. That, That's a good one. I know you love the Kentucky freshmen. I'm worried about both the Kentucky freshmen slash sophomores in uh, Weeks and Cosne and no Lapidot. I'm going to call the upset and say Harvard. It's a top eight contender sort of conversation. Kentucky loses that one. Again, Kentucky's got at Duke this weekend as well. It's a top eight weekend for the Wildcats if they want to make that sort of push here. Who you got in that one? Oh, Kentucky. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not high on Duke right now. All right. USC at Baylor. I like that match. Yeah, that's, that should be a, a, a real fun one. Man, USC has been, you know, they, I don't know that they're going to steamroll anybody that I expect that to be a really tight, tight match. Uh, gosh, I just, it's going to be so hard up top. I think I, I got to go with the Trojans. I just think it, it, I think Baylor could actually pull that off as an upset and it's a home match, but I got to stick with USC. Yeah. Boy, I, I do think that'll be very close. I'll say it's four, three. I'm very excited to watch that one. It's I, w- I want to see Baden Horse to get. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, it's, that'll it's be not, that'll be fun. There's a reason I put it on the list, folks. Again, that's going to be a good one. Last in this tier two category. How about this next Tuesday? TCU at Michigan. <laughs> I mean, I can't not pick TCU. They look so good. Um, yeah, I. I'd love to see some things. I'd like to see Gavin. I mean, Gavin's played some good matches, hasn't been able to pull it off yet. Uh, and obviously going to get a good look at, you would assume, Jake Fernley there. But these two schools have been playing each other now for a couple of years. Uh, I I do ex- I do expect a, a good match. There's just too much talent down low for TCU. I mean, 
you're playing Seth Gorsny at five. I mean, though, it's just not, it's not, it's not a good matchup for sure for Michigan. TCU 4-1. All right. Last category, tier three. Just wanted to put them on the radar, Chris. Just straight teams you're picking here to win. You mentioned all, again, some of the stakes earlier. Mississippi State at Memphis. Mississippi State. VCU at Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Georgia at Virginia. Oh, Virginia. But, I mean, like I said, big win for Georgia today. I think if they can manage to do that again, they could make it close. But, no, Virginia at home. Sneaky important one. Georgia at UNC. Oh, this one gets really interesting. I think I think Georgia might actually be able to pull something off here. Oh boy, do I want to actually? Yeah, what the hell? Let's let's go, dogs. All right, Florida at Texas. Oh, Texas. Oklahoma at Florida State. Sneaky fun. Ooh, really good. Knowles though have started to look good lately. I'll take the Knowles at home. Pepperdine at Stanford. I mean, Stanford's going to turn it around at some point. I, I'll go Stanford. Trojans at Oklahoma State. Got to go with the Trojans. Love a team going to check out the host site early. Clemson at Michigan State. Michigan State? They've, they've, and, and they'll have Thanos back for sure. Michigan State. Tulsa at Baylor. Oh, that, that could get good, but ba- that's something Baylor's got to win. Alabama at Northwestern. Oh, Alabama. Come on. I mean, I, I still don't, I can't even figure, I, my mind's blown by Northwestern beating Duke. It, the Alabama wins. All right. Well, folks, there's your look at the week ahead. Of course, coming up this weekend for us here at Cracked Rackets, our kickoff of our national indoors coverage. We have the 2024 Division One Women's ITA Team National Indoor Championships. Coverage starts Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. We'll have coverage Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. All of the main draw matches on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Chris, you want to give me a prediction for that? No. Yeah, because it's UNC. You don't. Yeah, have, I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, need to tell you what, what he's what, thinking. I, as Archit asked for the the his five con- give me your best five contenders. What was my answer? UNC, 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 and then at five I gave him Stanford. No, you gave him five different versions of the UNC lineup. You're like, all right, Crawley <laughs> yeah. at one, Brantmeyer two, Brantmeyer one, Crawley two, Tangilla at one, Crawley three, Brantmeyer two, Yarlagata four. Um, yeah, again, yeah. we're going to preview that event tomorrow. It's going to be a three-deciding point week here on this show, so be on the lookout for that, and then all of our coverage beginning Friday as well. Of course, why can we do that? Because of the tireless efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a f*** of an editing job to do day in, day out. He goes from Louisville, Kentucky, with Chris Halioris to Indianapolis, Indiana, and editing his voice, Chris. You, he give, you get to give him the Gruskin experience today. Um, so uh, shout-out to Westoff, as always. And shout-out to you, by the way, for learning that skill. It's going to allow us to expand our coverage and, again, make this year even better than our coverage has ever been before. So shout-out to you. Any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? Oh, no, I'm ready for a, a, a big week again. I mean, I can't remember. I, I honestly cannot remember the last time we've had – so many big matches for the two weeks leading up to indoors. We always get a couple and it's all Ohio state always hosts some big ones. Yeah. But, but this year, as much as any, I mean, it's, there's like 10, you know, huge top 15, top 20 matches 
uh, as, as we get the two weeks leading to indoor. So it's going to be a fun week. It is going to be as well. Well, with that, uh, indeed. Well, with that said, for our fantastic co-host, Chris Halliors, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.